Well, good morning. I am so tempted to call what I want to share this morning what Tesco's teaches us about the church. What Tesco teaches us about the church. The, the reason being, I just read an article that was um, written by a guy called Tim Stanley in the Telegraph. And I don't think Tim is a uh, uh, Christian, but he wrote this article about the decline of the British church. And uh, he made this statement. British Christianity isn't dying, it's sleeping. And then he concludes by saying, um, evangelism can awaken it. Evangelism can awaken it. And then he goes on, and this is the way the article finishes. He likens the Anglican church to Tesco's. And he says, if Tesco's stopped advertising, people wouldn't shop there anymore. People would stop shopping there. If Tesco's constantly banged on about how it, its own products are old-fashioned and in need of updating, people wouldn't shop there. If Tesco said, it would be nice if you'd visit once in a while, but entirely understand why you don't, people would stop shopping there. Christians have become their own worst enemy, killing their faith with silence. Killing their faith with silence. Father, I pray this morning, just help us to understand what you're saying to the church within the nation and in the nations. We pray that you will equip us and enable us to be exactly what you've called us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what a week. What a week. A friend of mine on Facebook posted, well, I've been away for a week. Has much happened? I think, (laughs) wow, the BBC could almost regenerate a program of the 60s, a satirical comedy show that used to be called That Was the Week That Was. Yeah, Yeah, one of us, two of us (laughs) remember that. The rest of you, it's a history lesson, I know. That was the week that was. We have seen such an incredible week. Socially, spiritually, politically, financially, culturally, there are changes that are happening in Europe that are immense. And one has to feel like the writer to the Hebrews, I just wonder whether God is shaking the shakable in order that the unshakable will remain. The unshakable, of course, being the kingdom of God. Yeah, the last time I looked, it still says in Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those that dwell in it. Personally, I think we're at the edge of an incredible move of God. I feel that there is a spiritual shift going on, which I for one want to be a part. I want to be a part of the movement of God and not the monuments of men. I want to be along to a part which is clearly showing the moving of God rather than a museum. And I believe we're on the edge of something incredible. There's a spiritual shift taking place. God is changing gear. We've come through, and we want to maintain, we sang the song this morning, we've come through a season of understanding the Father heart of God. 
We understand that we're not slaves. We're sons and daughters of the king. God has been restoring this whole sense of identity, who we are in Jesus Christ, that God is our father. But I would like to suggest that there's a shift going on because based on understanding our identity, God is now wanting us to exercise our authority. We're shifting to the place that recognizes we are sons and daughters of the living God. He has given us authority that we are to go and exercise in the world we live. Now, on the basis of that, and if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 60. Yes, I'm going to the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Now, while you're finding that on your phone or in your, you, if you've brought a Bible, can I make a very deep, profound statement that may seem obvious? Isaiah 60 comes before Isaiah 61. That's deep, isn't it? I mean, on this hot day, that's profound. You may think, well, that's obvious. Well, yes, it is. But Isaiah 61 for us as a church has so much to say. Isaiah 61, if you remember, it's the chapter about Jubilee. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And it goes on to outline the characteristics of Jubilee. Now we take the name Jubilee. And so Isaiah 60 is a kind of preface, an introduction to Isaiah 61. So I feel for us, These words are key. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory. When we look at glory, we're thinking of heavy weight. That's what the Hebrew word for glory has, a context of weight. It means the manifest presence of God, His power being seen. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold... Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations, we've heard a lot about nations this morning, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. To me, this is a prerequisite Because the promises of God are so often conditional. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's a great promise. But the prerequisite is submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And in some ways I want to suggest that Isaiah 60 is a prerequisite to the promises of 61. That here we are prophetically positioning ourselves for all that God wants to do in and through us. And I think God wants to do some great things. Yes, Chris, he does. I like that. That's a good word. I believe God wants to do some incredible things in the earth in these days. And I believe that there are two words simply here that can help us prepare ourselves for what God has to, wants to do. It says, arise, shine. Arise, shine. Arise. A simple word. But it's a word that is a real gem. I love words. 
I love to take a word and dig into it and look into the background, the makeup, the way it's used. And what is, what is the prophet meaning when he, he's, he's inspired to use this? Arise, arise, get up. It means to stand. It has multiple facets. It means to stand up. You see, when we stand up in worship, it is not just that the musicians or whoever's leading worship thinks it's time that we have a physical exercise. Well, you've been seated for a while. Why don't we stand up? We stand as a prophetic statement. And this word arise means to stand up in order to act. It means to stand up to speak. Proverbs 31. It says, your children will stand and honor you. And when we stand and we applaud individuals, we are honoring them in our standing. So it means to stand, to cheer, to celebrate, to praise, to worship. So it means to stand up. This word also means to stand against, to oppose the enemy, to stand up, to stand against. It means to stand with. Someone comes and stands with you. They become your ally. That's what's in this word. It means like Ephesians, having done all, stand. It means to stand up, to stand against, to stand with, to stand firm. It means to arise, it means to wake up. It's kind of a wake-up call. But it's not only an action, it's an attitude. It's not only an action, it's an attitude. You see... It's possible to stand up on the outside and be sat down on the inside. It's like the um, parent that says to the child, stand up. And the child doesn't. So the mother or father said, I'd like you to stand up, please. Please stand up. They don't stand up. Please, will you stand up? And so they stand up and say, Mom, I may be standing on the outside, but I'm sat down on the inside. And sometimes we can have that action whereby we're standing on the outside, but sat down on the inside. This word arise is a word that means we take action from that which is from within. We're stirred on the inside. We feel there's a kind of an incitement. There's a a working of God's grace within us whereby we stand And we make our stand. The best way I can illustrate it is with Jesus. You remember the story when he said to his disciples, let let us, plural, get into the boat and sail to the other side of the lake. That is not just words. That is the word of the living Christ. He who is the word made flesh. He makes a declaration. Let us go over to the other side. Because he has spoken the word, he rests knowing that his word does not come back to him void without, says the prophet, accomplishing that for which he sends it. So he sleeps. And then if you know the story, the wind begins to uh, assail them. Uh, They, The waves begin to get, you know, kind of serious. And they begin to sink. And so being men of faith, they panic. And they awaken Jesus. And if you read the text, it's like he awakes, he is aroused, he arises and rebukes. Why? 
Because though he was not standing physically, he was standing spiritually. He was resting in the fact that he'd spoken the word and the word would come about. And it's that arising and standing and knowing that who he is and the word he has spoken, what's going on here, that's a violation of the will of God. And therefore I am standing against that which is clearly a violation of God's will. So I'd like to illustrate this. And I borrowed a prop from, I forget whose child this was now I borrowed this from, Dylan's. Okay, it's Steve Wickens, he brought this to church this morning. (laughs) Imagine reading in the paper a few weeks ago or on the news media, the Queen's Honours List. And within the Queen's Honours List, you read the name Simon Clay. Though for work in education, the Queen feels that she would like to honour him. And so one day he gets his suit out. And as a family, they attend Buckingham Palace. And when his time comes, Simon comes before the queen. He kneels. If he's accepting this honor, he doesn't have to accept it. And she gets a sword, nothing like this. But she taps the sword on his shoulder and then on the other shoulder. And then she says words like, arise. Sir Simon, has a ring to it, doesn't it? (laughs) Arise, Sir Simon Clay. And therefore he would get up and he would arise. Now he would rise up knowing that the queen was affirming who he is and what he's done. And he would probably use the authority that is in that statement. As much as I can see, the best you can get out of being made a sir is to get, get on into some of the top restaurants in London. That's about the only thing he does for you. But he would move in the authority that had been given to him. And that's what I'm seeing as a picture. It's kind of the church is recognizing who we are in Christ. We're realizing our identity, not as slaves, but as sons and daughters of the king. And we're in a season where God is calling us to rise up. To be the people that God has called us to be. The prophetic positioning of Isaiah 60 is getting us ready for Isaiah 61. To stand in the authority of who we are in Christ. Arise, shine. Arise, shine. Now when I read words like shine, I have to smile. Forgive me, I'm being very honest with you. I think, what on earth does that mean? 30 years ago next year, Graham Kendrick got us all singing, Shine, Jesus, Shine. You remember it? (laughs) Some of you were there. You don't look that old. Um, Shine, Jesus, Shine. Shine. And over the rest of you went around singing. I'm not sure I knew what I was singing. Shine, Jesus, Shine. We march around cities. Singing, shine, Jesus, shine. Bruce Springsteen does a mean version of let this little light shine. You don't believe me? Watch YouTube. Let this little light shine. He really rocks. 
What does it mean? What does Isaiah, what does Springsteen, what does Kendrick, what do they mean when they're saying shine? Let this little light shine. Uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Is it that just a few of us are going to shine? If you remember the Readyback advert, the little kid walking with a kind of a glow around him. Is that what we're going to be like walking through Sully Hall and people, whoa, what is that? Is that ready, Brett? No, it's Jesus. <laughs> is that what it means <laughs> to have a glow, to shine? Are we going to have some sort of ethereal glow about us? Not a halo, but a glow. And you'll see some with a glow and others not. And you think, I wish I had that glow, but I don't have that. Is that what it means? I don't think it means that. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory, his visible manifestation in all we say and do will be seen on you. And the nation shall come to your light and kings to your brightness. When you read the book of Ephesians, it's like Paul has a similar way of saying this. And he says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. There's that shining thing again. Matthew 5, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all the house in the same way. Let your light shine. There it is again before others so that you may, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. The shining thing. It's God shining on you. God shining through you. What is it all about? Some of us will remember. I don't want to get, um, I think it, well, it doesn't matter which denomination you used to use it. But you remember we used to close meetings with Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you and lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? I think, what on earth does that mean? The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Psychologists use a phrase called the shining face. A shining face. And they use this phrase to illustrate what goes on with a mother or a father and their newborn baby. And when a mother smiles at a child, she is non-verbally communicating something. She is smiling at her child and saying, I love you. I love you. I think you are great. I am so glad you are here. I so approve of you. I so love you. And that smiling is called a shining. It's a shining face of which eventually the child will, will get those messages, will understand that whole process and begin to shine back. So the child begins to smile. You know, you smile at most people and generally they'll smile back. There are a few miserable ones around, but, you know, they don't generally go to church. But some people, you smile at them, you get a, a, a smile back. 
And he's called in psychology, and the psychologists call it the shining face. So when we're praying, may the Lord's face shine upon you. It's saying, I'm praying you get a glimpse of your loving Heavenly Father that says, I approve of you. I love you. I am so glad you are here. I am so glad you are on the earth. I am so pleased that you are around because I have my will to outwork in your life. When Moses went up the mountain and spent time with God, the atmosphere that he was in was so powerful that he came out of that presence with his face shining. If you know the story, he actually veiled his face so people wouldn't look on a shining face that was fading. But Paul says we have a, a, a administration that is far greater than what Paul, Moses had. But he was in the presence of God and he was shining. And when Paul refers to this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, he says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give light and knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you don't get anything else I've said this morning, let me just grab this. Church, it's time to shine. Bless you. It's time to shine. I believe it's time for us to radiate the presence, the purpose, the will, the goodness, the grace of God to a dark world. It's time for us to understand that our Heavenly Father is smiling on us. Now, for some of us, that is hard to comprehend because we don't feel worthy of that. Well, that's what that whole season of the Father heart of God has been about, is to understand our identity. But now God's shifting things. He's saying, on the basis of your identity, I want you to exercise authority, the authority that I've given you. I want you to radiate God's love. Oh, yeah, that's not easy, is it? Some of the circumstances you work in, it's hard to raise a smile sometimes, not about anything else. <laughs> How do I radiate the love of God? But that's what God's calling us to do, is to, to radiate his brilliance. I have to admit to you, I, I'm stepping out on a bit of a limb here. I'm talking about stuff and saying, God, I really want this to work in my life. It's all right talking about this, but I want every day to be an opportunity to shine for Jesus. What do you mean shine? To radiate the goodness and the love of God in a practical way. Maybe it's just in something I say, something, a, a smile, maybe, I don't know what, but God, I want every day to, I want to see the opportunities. Lord, I thank you for my, my identity but I want to move in my authority. And I want to move in the authority that Jesus has given to us. Um, Jesus sent his disciples out and he gave them power, dunamis, and authority, exousia. And the authority was the authority to exercise the power. It's like a, a policeman. If a policeman steps out in the road because you're doing 45 in a 30 mile an hour limit, I'm sure that never happens to anyone in this room. But if he steps out and he's in uniform and he puts his hand up, you would be wise to stop. You wouldn't say, what a cheek, get out of the way. <laughs> you wouldn't do that because you recognize he or she has authority. It's in the uniform. 
And because of the authority they exercise, you will take note. That's what Jesus, he gave exousia, authority, uh, to exercise the power. I've grown up in Christian circles. I've heard so much of this stuff before. But I'm saying, Lord, I don't want it just to be words. I want it to be action. I want it to see how, I want to see it outworked. As I walk through my daily life, as I go to Costa or as I go to this place or I go into that situation, Lord, I want to be open to shine. This is our turn. This is our time. And we need to be radiating the glory of God. So in closing, let me kind of ground this. Because I have a kind of conversation when I prepare this stuff. Say, okay, God, that's wonderful. Love the theory. So say it often. It's the practice. You know, if I could just write the theory down and send it out with an email, I'd just say, here you go. Enjoy that. I'll stay in my cave with my books. (laughs) That's heaven to me, but you have to come out and get into the world and have to put this stuff into practice. So I said, God, how, how do we get into the place where the, the glory of God in a real practical way is seen? And there were three things. God said to me first, get plugged in. Get plugged in. There is electricity going all around this room. I know it because Travis tested it. And there are outlets. And if you are an electrical instrument that you want to work, you, if you want to work, you're going to have to plug in to one of these outlets. Now, I'm a carpenter and an electrician. Trevor told me that's how it works. Okay? So you just plug in and then you draw on the power, the voltage that is in this building. I believe God is omnipresent. I believe the power of the Spirit is there for us to plug into. And if we want to shine, we have to learn how to plug in to God. To spend time in His presence. To spend time in His Word. To get plugged into God's people. I wrote something down here. You know, loose connections often cause breakdown in communication. Loose connections often break down in communication. We need to plug in. Then, having plugged in, get switched on. Get switched on. Do you like those light bulb moments? (laughs) Come on, when you're reading your Bible and suddenly you get a light bulb moment. Wow! Aha! It's what one man calls the aha moment. Aha! I've got it! You share it with someone else, say, oh, I knew that years ago, you know. (laughs) But to you, it's a revelation. And I believe we walk on the basis of a revealed truth. It's not just reading the letter. It's the Spirit of God revealing it to us. And it's, it's getting switched on. You say, God, I can go in the strength of that. That's what you're saying to me right now. It's getting switched on. It's having a light bulb moment. It's knowing. This is a spicerism, I know. But it's knowing in your Noah. This is not your Noah. Your Noah's in here. It's knowing something deep in your spirit. You say, I know that I know that I know. Circumstances are opposed to it, but this is the truth of God's word. That may be true, but this is truth. That may be true, but this is truth. 
And it's getting switched on. It's having those light bulb moments. God revealing his truth. So get plugged in. Get switched on. And be brilliant. Be brilliant. (laughs) This is a Tina word. Be brilliant. You know, you may not know it, but you may not always believe it, but you're brilliant. You are absolutely brilliant. God thinks you are brilliant. And he wants that brilliance to shine forth. Now, some of you have been very kind and um, Tina and I created this wall at the end. You've been very kind in your comments. No one heard anything else, but you said how nice it is. But can I say to you, that's not to me a wall. That to me is a prophetic statement. Because in doing that, I had a picture of that months ago. In doing that, to me, it's part of preparing this building for the people I believe are going to come in. I know it's only a building and we are the church, but we gather here. I know the theology of all of that. But I'm looking for a Queen of Sheba moment. Remember the Queen of Sheba visited the kingdom of Solomon? And she was blown away with how the excellence of God was seen in the way you worship. She said, the way your servants serve, the way you go to worship, in everything I see, I just see the excellence of God. I I see in my mind people coming just to see what's going on. That's all they're coming for. They've heard about this jubilee what? This jubilee church. And they come in and see, they meet with people, they walk around, talk, and they just see the environment. They go, wow, you serve a great God. I want to be brilliant in all that I say and do. Ultimately, yeah, I'll take the, the praise, but ultimately I want to reflect it back to God and say, well, yeah, I'm a carpenter. But by God's grace, I'm a carpenter. And what I do in carpentry, I want to do well, because I believe it reflects on the God I serve. And in all that you do, as mothers, as fathers, as teachers, as, as whatever you work, be brilliant. Because God believes that you are brilliant. There's a brilliance that, come, that comes in to you and through you. Okay, let me close. And if I say it, let me close twice, that really just does generally mean he's going to close. <laughs> oh, all right. I have a very simple, I'll call it a mantra, that I'm trying to live every day by. And it may be helpful to you, I don't know. If you've ever read Acts chapter 3, Peter and John going up to the temple, and they meet this guy who shouts out, and asks for money, and they go over and they heal him. I, I, I kind of have a suspicion that they pass this guy numerous times. Numerous times. And on the basis of this healing, I, I'm trying to live a daily life. Now, you can keep asking me about it, uh, and that's fine. Keep me accountable. But I'm trying to live my daily life on this mantra. Number one, see the man. See the man. Number two, know your measure. And number three, seize the moment. So wherever I go, and I'm not always that good at this, but I'm saying, Lord, where's the man? Last week, Simon spoke to us about the man of peace. That was a real great talk. Loved it. That was last week, wasn't it? I've been to bed since then. I don't know where I am. but (laughs) The man of peace. 
And I'm walking, and sometimes I keep saying Costa because I do spend a lot of time in Costa. <laughs> and I'm walking in the Costa, and I'm thinking, is there someone here, Lord? I'm open. Uh, is there someone I can just either smile or, or share some truth? I, I, and sometimes I think I may have passed this person numerous times, but is this the person? And when Simon was asking about your man of peace, I was thinking, who are my men of peace? And I recognized there's a couple of guys I spend time with because of the various circles I work in outside of church. And I went to see this guy. He's a well-known businessman in the center of Birmingham. I won't mention his name, but I went to see him this week with a whole different insight. I thought, God, I want an opportunity to be Jesus with him. No, I didn't preach at him. I didn't even give him a text. I just simply spent time in his presence. And he emailed me. He said, it was great to see you. I thought, where you go? So I want to see the man. I also want to see the man knowing my measure. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. That is no greater power, Paul talks to the Ephesians, than resurrection power. And to know the measure that we have. And then to seize the moment. I'm not always good at this. I see the moment sometimes when it's just passed. Oh, that was an opportunity. And all heaven goes, oh. What a dumbo. No, they don't say that, but I am not. I'll say this to you. I'm not very pleased with this, but a number of years ago, I was in hospital having a series of tests. And the guy next to me, was in a very difficult position. Do you know I was, I'm confessing this, I was more concerned about me than him. What's wrong with me? Get me sorted out. Get me out of here. Don't like it in here. You know, this is not where I want to be. And I believe I didn't seize the moment that I could have shared, shone the brilliance of Jesus. Just said to that guy, can I pray with you? But I missed it. I blew it. And it constantly challenges me. Lord, I want to see the man. I want to know my measure. But I want to seize the moment. It's time to shine, church. Thank God for the identity. The Father is smiling upon us. And saying, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. That's good to look in the mirror sometimes and say, you know, you're brilliant. (laughs) That's going to be painful. But just, Jesus thinks, I'm brilliant. Lord, help me today to shine for you. Help me to catch a glimpse of my heavenly Father shining on me. That smiling face, that shining face. That as I recognize a Father who loves me and thinks I'm brilliant, that I would reflect and refract that brilliance in all that I say and do. It may just be a smile. But I'm saying Jesus loves you. It may just be some act of kindness, but it's saying Jesus loves you. It may be just in the car park when someone hasn't got any money and you say, can I pay for that for you? It's not giving the ticket and saying, well, I haven't used all this, but you can use it. It's not that. No, no, no. no. (laughs) That's kind of getting illegal. But it's saying, oh, sorry, please, there's no condemnation here. (laughs) There's no shame. (laughs) But it's saying, can I pay for that? Or someone in the queue say, I'm paying for a coffee somewhere down the line. You know, it's, it's an act of kindness.
the church where I was at, and, and this will be my third and final close. And band, if you come up, this will be the end. I just read on, on Facebook what the church I was in in America did recently on Father's Day. They researched and found a dad, a single father, who was really struggling, and he had to work selling pizza, not, uh, delivering pizzas. So in second service and in first service, they took a second offering. And in second service, they got a pizza delivered to the, uh, the church. And they brought this pizza guy on stage and said, thank you for the pizza. But as a church, we would like to honor you as a single parent. And I think they gathered something like $500. I don't know how much it was. They said, this is a gift for you. This is an act of kindness to you. Can you imagine what a tip? But it's saying, I want to shine. Church is more than just singing songs and gathering together. It's more than that. So I want us to go back to that song that we sang this morning about the Father. As we sing it again, I want to sense the shining of God's face. Saying no matter how you feel within yourself, God thinks you're brilliant. You are brilliant. And in the brightness of that approval, that affection to say, Lord, can I reflect that, your love to the world that I go out to this week? Let me see the man. Let me know my measure. Let me seize the moment. Let me arise and shine for our light has come.